All right. Welcome, everybody. Schaefer Baseball Report, Wednesday edition. Um, Todd Friedman, Blast Motion, Advocacy Baseball. Andrew, one tool, Zyke. You know how much play that gets? A lot. People love that. And they, yeah. and what the question is all the what time. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. So Everyone knows, though, right? I, I hope they know. Yeah. yeah well, I, I have more tools. We'll just leave right. a mystery. You don't have more tools. You have one tool. And that's, <laughs> one a, tool. And that's, that's how it, it goes. No, it's a... Yeah, it's pretty funny because people go one tool, one it? tool. Yeah. Yeah. Out. It's, it's, uh, That's so. it. Yeah, but uh, um, so tell us about your weekend at the Mount. Let me tell you, man. So I enjoy that stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I've done it before. You know, different different places I've gone and, and been the uh, the keynote speaker too. And it's you know, it's interesting. Is you know, people when they when they invite me to do this, they're like, "Who is this guy?" You know, right. who's like, "Who's Jeff Schaefer?" You know, like whatever. And you know, but. You know, they find out my background, the time that I spent in the big leagues and things like that. That's fine. So, they, you know, but it, it's always funny because people go like, you know, oh, yeah, I remember you. I'm like, dude, you do not, you do not remember <laughs> me. Right. You do not. But, you know, they, I mean, I had so many good experiences along the way in the game and a lot of funny times, you know, that either happened on the field or off the field that you can keep it light. But, you know, you, you always finish with the right message, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, the gifts that this game gives us. And, uh, you know, my son Zach wrote this amazing thing at 18 years old, you know, when he got right. done playing, he had his, his, you know, he hurt his arm and remember that yeah. twice. And, uh, you know, I mean, he had an opportunity to go pitch at the, in college and he just said that, you know, I, I don't want to rehab anymore. He said, you know, I like it. I don't love it. So, um, but he wrote this whole thing to the game, like thanking it for the best of times, the worst of times. And um, and it was a short paragraph. But, you know, once you, you, you know, you get past the humor of everything, you know, they had they had a video of me hit, getting hit off of Nolan Ryan. And I was just telling him, you know, the whole story, the whole process of getting up, you know, to face him and not paying attention. But I had watched him when I was nine years old. Right. And he pitched in the big leagues for the Mets. I mean, he was right. on the World sure. Series Mets in 69. I'm nine years old. And... Uh, you know, but I'm all proud of the, the fact that I got a hit off of him at, you know, but he was, he was almost 90 at the time when I got a hit off him, but I'll tell him, but I got him. I still got him, you know, but, he was, uh, he was still throwing 95. Well, he, yeah, I, I like sure. he, he had, he had, a, he had a senior moment because I'm batting nine in the order. He punched me out. I went to work in the three, two, my first at bat punched me out with a fastball. I was right down the middle and I threw my helmet in the bat. Like I was like, dude, that was, you, you blew that call. Yeah. It was right down the middle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> And then uh, my next at bat, I come up, and he hangs a curveball, right. and he, you know, he throws it to my bat speed. That's right. <laughs> so, I, and then I hit it to Pete Incavilia, who was the absolute uh, worst outfielder in, in baseball history. Guy could hit tanks, but that's right. And uh, so he stumbled in, and the, you know, the, the line drive fell in front of him, and base hit, and then you know. And you'll never forget that. No, no dude. I get, listen, no. And, and I so it's funny because they were trying to pull video off of off of the uh, right. you know the internet and. I mean, this is this is video from 1989, maybe 1990, probably 90. I was with Seattle, Seattle at the time, and uh, it was grainy and blurry, and you can't even see it. And you know, and then they had a picture in there for the auction of of uh, Nolan punching Ventura. So that was great because yeah. you know I got a hit off of Nolan, and then Robin offered me a job, you know, with the with the White Sox as the first base coach, and that was you know. Flew home and said, no, can't take it. Right. Fortunately, you know, it's pretty cool going out there That's thinking awesome. I was going to go back to the big leagues and coach, but <laughs> yeah. I had two kids and screwed up my first marriage and first, my first two kids are still like, they love me, but I'm not sure <laughs> they like me. <laughs> no, they do. They but, do. Uh, yeah. It's a, uh, you know, so that was, you know, that was, that was cool. But I mean, you know, sitting there, Frank Leone is one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. I mean, he's just a genuinely good human being. And, um, 
you know, it, it's it's like everybody else. We talk about this every week. You want your kid to go somewhere where there's going to be somebody that's that generally cares about the kids, right? So, yeah. and I get to talk about Coach Jackson, who you know I spent an hour on the phone with yesterday. Yesterday, awesome. yeah. Who was my coach? He's 95 years old. Was my coach at Maryland, right? And uh, you know, absolutely took a long-haired punk, you know, with with earth shoes, corduroy jeans, and you know, a tight white t-shirt, and yeah, you know, made me this today. Look, right. look how good he did. Tiny old yeah. man, right? <laughs> Tiny, he made me a little old man. Well, we we listen, we shape, we talk about relationships all the time in this, in this yeah. business. You know, I say business, but you know, really, you know, coaching, baseball, sports in general. And, and luckily, we're having a good guest on today. Yeah. We can talk about that because uh, Mick, uh, Coach Aoki at Richmond, uh, he's one of those type guys that you know players want to run yeah. and play for. So, and that's just so important. What we're doing here in this whole recruiting game, right? We're trying yeah. to you know match up you know good relationships, not just obviously the ability of a player, but everything else that goes outside of that. Yeah, you we know, landed so. another player yesterday. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. And, uh, hey, we're, yeah. Avery it's... Booker coming here to Queens. And... Yes, yes. So, well, he didn't announce it yet. Uh, we just did. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, very exciting. Uh, good shortstop out of Charlotte Latin High School. Yeah. Committed yeah. to Queens, 25. So we're really pumped for him. Super, You know, families right down the street. Yeah. You know, the value of them being able to watch their son play four years in college is pretty and we've special. got to know this coaching staff well and they're they're, they're solid people yeah. you know what i mean it's uh you know we've watched the whole transition sure. you know from the beginning from club to division two to d1 and you know listen that that whole that whole process comes with some amazing pressure you know of rebuilding because every step is a rebuild right mm -hmm. so you're taking a bunch of club kids and you're running around playing jvs and you're getting it handed yeah and then next thing you jump into the uh you know the sack which is nothing to sneeze at man that's you know it's a good conference yes. and uh so you get slapped around there and then two years after that now you're a division one program you get slapped around again this is the first year though where there's none of the original guys right because bagwell isaiah off. isaiah bennett he was here when they were i don't know he no, wasn't he an was original enough. no the original melt's yeah, gone yeah and, melt, uh, melt bags, yeah, bags all those and, guys uh, so it's the first year where they actually madoff's gone and different the, yeah. class <clears throat> So it was fun watching those guys. Yeah, you know, well, those. yeah, you can and you can tell. I mean, you know, we don't know what's going to happen down the road, but with this coaching staff in place, I think uh, Queens is in good hands. No, I, I really I mean, believe I, they are, man. And I, listen, yeah. I again, it's it's a place you say, okay, you, you're not just selling the program that's a Division One program, and they're they're in the A Sun, which is a right. good conference, and um, but you're also selling the staff. Like, I, I mean, I don't I don't want to put a kid somewhere where I know that you know it's going to be abusive and you know, listen, I don't mind a tough coach. I want a tough right, coach. Sure. I grew up a tough coach. Right. I can handle that. Agreed. You know what? Yeah. So, and it's like when we kids our kids, like, listen, man, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to jump your ass, but guess what? You know, I, it's because I care about you. Right. It's not, and I care about the program. I care about you. And you know, we got, we got this, it, there's such a short window in coaching. Right. And especially when we're doing the, you know, the travel showcase stuff, it's rare that you have a kid for five or six or seven years, just like the college level. And you got a short level, you got a short period of time to not only just, teach them how to play this game because more times than not they're entering college now not understanding how to play the game bigger stronger faster right we've talked yeah. about this all the time but you know now you gotta educate them on how to play the game but on top of it you're trying to develop good young men and you want and you want to have a good relationship because if you stay in the program long enough you want them to come back as alumni and support That's, the program you well, know <clears throat> especially a mid-major program especially yeah. a d2 program where you don't have the coffers like you do with a power five and so yeah, the important thing is, you know, listen again. We go back to that whole thing: the relationship. You got a good relationship with your head coach; he's still there. You know, you're going to want to support him yeah. you know, going forward because obviously, 
you know, you have all types of support, financial support, you know, financial support yeah. is extremely important. Listen, yeah, so. I, somebody said, I, I forget what coach I was listening to was on TikTok or something like that. And he said, they're spending more you time. TikTok? Oh, of course. It does. <laughs> Come on. You guys, you want to see some of my dance moves? Email, no, no brother. Yeah. Okay. I got some dance moves too. I'm ready to bust out my own, uh, own TikTok I love to program. See that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, well, but let's, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's no. jump into this with, with, with awesome. Nick. No. So this is my first uh, intro. So uh, if everyone can bear with me, but, uh, I just want to intro Mick, Coach uh, Mick Aoki from University of Richmond. Uh, Mick's got a great story. Um, coached at a lot of great places. We can go down the list. I'm probably going to go out of line here, but he's coached at Ohio University, Columbia, uh, Boston College, Notre Dame, and most recently Moorhead State. And and this year is his first year at Richmond. Uh, I've known Mick for about two years. Uh, you know, was introduced to him through uh, obviously with through Blast Motion. Uh, he's a uh, his teams are a user of blast and 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 you know we know we 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 know a lot of college coaches and we you know the different you know uh, you know the differences for a lot of coaches is pretty is pretty highlighted and Mick is one of the good guys like you know there's good guys out there there's guys that you're just like uh there's guys that ghost you the guys who don't you know mm-hmm. you know you know are are all in and, and Mick's a good guy so I'm happy he uh, decided to come on the show today and. Mick, you there? There he is. I am. Coach I am. Mick Aoki, University of Richmond. Thanks for having me on, boys. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mick, firstly, we're going to get into, you know, obviously we'll touch on recruiting. We'll touch on some, you know, development uh, items. But we want to, we want to, you know, we want our listeners to learn about uh, Coach Mick Aoki, kind of where he's from, the stops along the way. Um, you know, uh, again, to start off, you know, uh, you know, born in Japan, lived there till uh, the age of eight, and then moved to the great state of Massachusetts. Um, growing up in Mass, um, when did you decide that baseball was going to be, you know, part of your future? Ooh, I think, you know, baseball is the one sport. I wasn't in any organized sports when I lived in Japan. We lived in, uh, well, I was born in Yokohama, and then we moved to Tokyo. And but the one thing that we played, we played kind of like a backyard version of, of baseball. Um, and, and we did a lot of throwing. We would throw off of the side of the apartment building, right? And so baseball was the one thing that I always did. When we moved to the States, we moved in the summer uh, after my dad died. We, we moved back to Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is where my mom is from. We moved, I think, if I remember correctly, in July. It's a long time ago now. It's like, uh, you know, but it's um, – and so the first sport – I tried in an organized level was, was soccer because it just sort of came up and there was a kid who lived down the street who got me in that. And then I played basketball at the boys club in Plymouth and then baseball finally came around. And I'd say though, that, you know, just baseball was the thing that I kind of gravitated to the most. Um, You know, there was, I remember (laughs) this is really going to date me, but I I actually kind of remember my dad was a fan of the Tokyo Giants right? The Yomiuri Giants and Sadahara O was on that team. And so I got a chance to see him play on television. I don't think ever live. Um, and so baseball was the thing. And, and it was kind of the sport that probably I was, I was best at, right? Um, you know, I was not blessed to be like a good shooter in hoops or anything like that. You know, I was like the, I was like the defensive specialist that was told not to shoot unless you were like right under the basket. Um, and then, um, 
I, I ended up playing. I ended up switching from soccer over to football once I got to high school because my mom had a rule that we couldn't. I couldn't play football prior to high school, which, in retrospect, now was probably pretty friggin' smart, right? Um, but it was. Uh, so that was it. But baseball is the thing that I, I've been doing since I can remember as as a young young kid in Tokyo, throwing one of those Kenko balls off the side of a side of an apartment building. So, so I, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but baseball in Japan, and, and obviously we've seen the influences, right? Ichiro, um, now Otani, you Darvish. Um, you know, Shafe and I talked about this the other day, and Andrew is is the attention to detail with the Japanese player, the fundamentals, right? I mean, that it's glaring to me, and Shafe, you know, we we discussed that. So, I mean, w- what's your opinion on that? Is it taught differently uh, in Japan, or is it just kind of the way they're? They yeah. I wish I could tell you I was some sort of an expert on that, but I'm not, right? Because, I mean, I've lived in the States since I was eight years old. And like I said, we were not – I was never introduced to any formalized level of baseball in Japan. But so I, I know really just what I've been able to read or, or talk to different guys about or different things. But I, I think it, it's super structured in in their training, right? And it's um, – at the high school level all the way through through the professional levels uh just i think culturally there's a tremendous respect for elders and the ones who came before and people in authority i think that that's probably clear throughout the entirety of their society and i think it's i think it's reflected in the way that they go about playing baseball right um i remember you know so sort of a just total side note you know the names that you 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 rattle off in terms of the japanese players who've come over here and as a Red Sox fan and as a guy who coached at BC and we used to play the Red Sox in an exhibition game every year, Dice K came over to the States and Dice K's first professional outing was against the Boston College Eagles, right? Down in the city of Palms Park way back, I don't even know when. And I remember the hysteria around it was crazy, right? I mean, it was, um, people came over they, they were interviewing our players, they're interviewing me about going to play Dice K. We had been playing baseball at BC for uh, like almost, I think it's the oldest sport at Boston College, to be honest with you. And But I think that most people in Boston felt that BC had a baseball program just so that we could play this exhibition game against the Red Sox, right? <laughs> and then the rest of the year, we're just running around and you know, doing whatever it is college can do. <laughs> Uh, but they came over and it was like, I don't know if you've ever been to city of Palms field, but it's the Red Sox used would be in the third base dugout. And it was press from their dugout. They put in an extra row of press all the way down to the left field corner where the bullpen was. Right. I I mean, it was, it was, it was nuts. Um, and, and I bring that up because then, you know, as dice K sort of struggled, then it was all of a sudden, you know, these hundred pitch bullpens that he was doing and with this and that and the Japanese system and how it doesn't work with the U S and, and this, and I, I would guess probably over the years, they've kind of maybe not, not like totally radically changed it. Right. But I think it's, it's, it's also, you know, I don't like Shohei, obviously, you know, he, he's done pretty well on the mound, I guess. Right. He's been okay. Um, and you know, there have been a lot of other guys, you know, with like even when the Red Sox won the World Series with Yuihara and all those guys, you know, I th- I, they probably sort of adjusted and amended their ways. And they probably had some adjustments to make along the ways and the whole thing, too, you know. But I do think it's a very definite, definite fundamentals. This is how you do things. I mean, a lot of this hitters look very much the same. 
the pitchers all seem to have like that little gather in their paws before they start down the mound. Um, you know, even not Nori Aoki, right, who's been in the big leagues for a couple of years, is kind of a utility guy. I think that guy's like super fundamentally sound, speed guy type of thing. So yeah, I think the fundamental piece is really huge there. I think a lot of a lot of a lot of it was you know they weren't as physical as the American player at the time, so the the, the details of fundamental were critical, and they understood how to play the game more. You know, they were small ball, and they they executed. They didn't they didn't they didn't fail much on those things. It was funny because. When we were up at uh, we took a team, you remember, and uh, USA Baseball, they had uh, it was an Asian team that was in there. But these guys were playing pepper from ninety, from sixty yeah. feet six wow. inches, and they were throwing seeds, and the bat control was like unbelievable. I mean, and they were just moving it around, moving it around. It was like playing, you know, pepper from here to the wall, like you know we do. Right. So they, you know, they, it was it was it, it didn't seem like they did anything just to mess around, right? right? And the other part that we noticed is like nobody had the big glasses on their head. You know, nobody had the the things coming out the back. They were they're extremely structured, yeah. uniform. And when they played, you know, they knew when to take the extra base. I mean, it, it was there was a whole different level of focus that that we saw at that point. And um, I you know I've always been enamored, you know, by you know that whole system. Um, and it, it, again, it's it, it's fun baseball to watch. Like when it was during COVID and they were covering a lot of stuff over in the, you know, the Korean Japan, league. Yeah. And all those yeah. leagues. I mean, it, it was fun to watch those guys, yeah. you know, it's, and, and, and the, the batting style, I, I, I need to send Dylan over there. He needs to start hit like <laughs> well, a Japanese guy. <laughs> well, I think some of it, right. Is uh, I think it's really interesting because I think that when you think of some of the baseball playing nations, right. And you think of, uh, you think of Japan and you think of the Dominican and you think of some of the, you know, the winter league stuff. I, I think some of the style of baseball is really reflective of the society in general, right? That's I think right. it's like a really, really big thing. I, when I graduated from Davidson, I had a summer where I played over in Holland because the, the coach at Davidson at the time was a guy named Jim Stokel. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, he had become the Dutch national coach and yeah. So he got me set up to go play over there. And obviously in Holland, right, like soccer, like the rest of Europe was is huge. And one of the things that reflected like the soccer thing was like whenever one of our guys got hit or whatever, our trainer would come out with like the magic water and the sponge, right? Or, you know, and it would be like the dude would be down on the ground as though he had been like, yeah. shot, and, you know. Then here comes the magic sponge and the magic water, <laughs> and then the guy's like up and sprinting <laughs> off, you know. Like, uh, so I, I, I love just, it. I think a lot of it is like, I think it's really reflective of what the society looks like yeah. in a lot of ways, you know. Um, I mean, because you go to like, it, it, and I'm sure Shape, you probably know better than than I do, but like you go to one of those Korean Caribbean games or the, in the yeah. Dominican and the Winter League stuff, and man, dude, it is party central. Yes. Oh my god, you know, it's they got fans in the stands. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's man. It's exactly it. It's a yeah. good time. It's a party. It's, it's a real yeah. good, and I, I I think Shoei kind of uh, removed from the cloth about the small ball. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, they learn how to get eight hundred million dollar contracts too. Which you is, know, which you, some you know, I don't know if you know know this, big, but Andrew and I were talking about you know we're talking about social media a lot now, right? Because yeah. our right. marketing and then play, you know, all this other stuff. He is followed by fifty five percent of the the country of Japan. He is followed by fifty five percent. That's crazy. That's a that's nuts, right? Yeah. I mean, so so you wonder why the guy can defer all that money, two million a year? <laughs> yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's he's putting a whole new spin on Bobby Bonilla Day. You know, it's going to okay. be a show <laughs> day for like the next yeah. seventy five yeah. years. 
So yeah, you, you can't you can't knock Bobby Bonilla though. I think no. he got his last check, didn't he? Or he's getting close no, to his no, last no, check. No, 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 dude. He's got no. he's got a few more years left. He's got a few more years. Yeah, I he looked it that. up and I was like, damn, he's got like he has like eight more years or something stupid left. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know who did that too? Is like uh, Ken Griffey Jr. did the same. Sure. Thing. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a you know because he took less money to go to Cincinnati yeah. when he left yeah. Seattle, and then and then right. he he did. <laughs> I think wasn't there some stat at the beginning of this last year after they had kind of paired their payroll? He was like the third highest paid player yeah. on the Reds this past season or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, some of these small markets. I mean, you can see I can see that. I mean, yeah. it's you know, uh, I mean, in Shohei, you know, his contract is probably more than half. Of the team's payrolls, right? Oh, I mean, it's, like, it's 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 wild. You know, again, and that's that you look at the uh, you know the game has become entertainment, right? It's become right. all media and you know how many advertising and all that other stuff that uh, you know they they've projected this money to be far beyond what they're going to pay this guy, right? You know, but again, how do you how do you how do you build a how do you build a championship team if you're just going to keep be paying that top that top dog. Right. I mean, look, I, to me, I believe that, you know, the athlete on the field was a lot better than it was when, when I was playing. I mean, they, sure. they're different. I mean, they're, they're different animals, but as far as the way the, the game's played or the way, you know, um, these guys understand how the game's supposed to be played, I think it's different. So now it's come down to power, you know, power against yeah. power and it's, uh, it's different, but that's, you know, small ball is just, that's why the playoffs to me make it like, I, I, I don't watch much MLB during the season anymore. You know, I used to like live on, MLB Network and everything, but I watched the playoffs because everybody's playing for that one run. Right. Everybody's playing for that one W, you know, to get you know to get one game up, two games up, and then continue to move on because the game goes back to what it is. But that's the beauty of watching college baseball, and you know, and and Japanese baseball and Korean baseball and, and the World Baseball Classic. The World Baseball Classic. So yeah. that was that that's was phenomenal. Yeah. So yeah, we did. Andrew and I decided to, uh, and my son Dylan, that's a freshman at Wilmington now. Um, decided uh, on Sunday night to go down for the Monday game, the championship game. And um, so we jumped the flight the next morning. We got down there and it was amazing. And then we got to see Otani face trout in the end. Trout, yeah. But that, that crowd, and we've said this before, that crowd was unbelievable. That was yeah. so much fun, man, because yeah. it was just, it was just people enjoying the game and the sport. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't vicious. Now it could, if it was Venezuela or something like that, that would have <laughs> oh, yeah, been a lot of going to be. Yeah. Trout might've yeah. gotten shot. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Mick, uh, you know, well, um, you know, before we get into some of the recruiting stuff, you know, obviously you went to Davidson played there, mm -hmm. right. Out, right. Not too far from where we're sitting here in the studio. And, and I will tell you, Mick, uh, has some home run records there. Did really? At some point. Yeah, that's rumor has it. Thirteen so. home runs one year. Yeah, yeah. But which I, is... I don't think that's a record anymore. You know, <laughs> it was at at the time. So, Maybe. Uh, but yeah. so Mick, when did you decide college baseball or even coaching in general was going to be your path? Uh, I kind of, you know, obviously, like any young guy, right? It was like, hey, I want to play pro ball. I want to have the opportunity to try to go do that. That didn't work out, other than this little blip of kind of semi-professional baseball in Holland and but I, I think I knew pretty early on and then um, you know we took that Davidson education and there was a whole group of us uh, that decided to become coaches I think we probably could have done that by going to school at UMass but um, <laughs> and saved ourselves a ton of money but exactly. it was uh, it was um, yeah there was a bunch of us right so I, I mean I was classmates with Peter Hughes Pete's the head baseball coach at Kansas State 
there's a couple year guys behind me, Brett Beretti, who's the head baseball coach up at, at Columbia, uh, Chris Pollard, obviously at Duke. Uh, I never played with him, but he was like, I think he was like four or five years behind me. Um, and then I have some buddies that I, that were football players there that are went into coaching. So, it was, you know, it was all the Rockheads that, that like got into Davidson <laughs> by the skin of our teeth that just decided to become coaches. Um, and, but, but it's been, it's been good, right? I mean, there's, there's challenges in it and there's been certainly some ups and downs, but it's, I think for me, when I first got into it, it was kind of, Hey, you know, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything but around baseball. I just wanted to extend my career somehow or another in baseball. And then I think as you get into it, you understand the type of platform that you have and maybe sort of the, the, the ability that you have to not just teach a kid how to hit or to throw a slider and, and to be able to teach them something a little bit more and hopefully become a positive part of their, you know, overall development as a, as a human being and as an individual. And in my case, right, I'm coaching young men and hope, hoping that they become, you know, helping them to become like really good fathers and husbands and members of society type of thing. So uh, your path, uh, you, you graduated from Davidson. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm probably going to be, I'm going to do this not in, in order, but Ohio university or first there was a, there was a high school you coached at then, then a JUCO, then Ohio university was your first D one job. Uh, then went to Columbia. Right. Uh, Dartmouth. I was an assistant at Dartmouth. Dartmouth. College. Okay. Yep. Dartmouth, uh, Columbia, BC, Notre Dame, Moorhead. A lot of the same, and now Richmond, a lot of the same characteristics for a lot of those schools, high academic, yeah. right? What's the, what's the, that athlete you have to look for in that high academic? What are some of the ancillary, um, you know, things that you need to look at, you know, whether it's income of the family, I'm obviously grades, extracurriculars, like, you know, the difference. And I'm not saying, this is nothing against Moorhead State, but Moorhead State's not known as a high academic school. So we're kind of no. looking at, right, looking at the differences. Can you, you know, provide some? Of so I could have gone to Moorhead. Yes. You oh, okay. Have. Good. Yeah. Okay. So Definitely not yeah. rich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Maryland's good school, man. So yeah, it, it is. Um, yes, that it is. is true. Actually, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right, Todd. Western's better. Better. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously. So when you talk about places like Dartmouth and Columbia and, and Notre Dame and BC and, and all of these like higher academic schools, it shrinks the field that you can recruit from basically because you have to be within certain academic parameters, right? And not everyone is there, right? If a kid is a 3.0, 950 on his SAT or, you know, like a 19 on his ACT, that's, you know, that that's, doesn't make him like a bad human being or a bad student or doesn't, you know, foretell some sort of that he's not going to be successful in life but they're just not going to have the opportunity to come to one of those schools because of the academic parameters involved so i think that's one part of it uh you have to look for the academic kids and each of those schools treated a little bit differently in the way in which the athletic department deals with the admissions office and what you're allowed to get and what you're not allowed to get and and different things um and but then at those schools come with like giant price tags too right and so you're also you're also dealing with balancing need-based financial aid or can a family just pay the check for it or um you know where, where does the scholarship piece sort of fit into it obviously not at dartmouth and columbia but at bc and notre dame and and now here at richmond um you know you're trying to balance all of those different things 
but also like at the end of the day, like the kid has to be good enough to fit your program and ultimately help your program. Um, I think one of the challenges, and I was talking about it with Josh Epstein, our, our pitching coaches, you know, the types of kids that we get at Richmond or at a Boston college or something, they, they've pretty much been the stars everywhere, right? They're, they academically, they've been really good on the baseball field. If we're recruiting them, you know, they've been really good. Generally speaking, you're not getting like bad kids. Otherwise you're getting bad recommendations from teachers or guidance counselors. So they're really good kids. And then they come to a place like Richmond and they go in and they self-identify as the smart kid who's really good at baseball and they're a good human and the good human part hopefully doesn't change, but it, you know, they, they go into the classroom and they're like, holy moly, wow, there's a lot of like super smart kids here. Right. And then they get onto the baseball field and they're like, wow, this, like, I, I don't think I've ever struck out twice in, in an inter-squad game ever in my career. And, and so now they kind of get faced with a little bit of that adversity, if you will, right? You got to keep some, some of this stuff in perspective. Like, you, know, you strike out twice in one day, it's not the end of the world, right? You, I mean, you're still, your parents are more than likely still going to love you at the end of the day. Um, and so I think it's like dealing with that sort of like kind of getting stripped down just a little bit and having yourself, you know, you, you, your self-identity questioned a little bit. I think at the end of the day, the kids who, to me, have been successful in it are the kids who just grind through that, right? They grind through it, they work through it. And so you're trying to somehow or another figure that out in the recruiting process. And I think that that one's really hard. You know, you go to a high school baseball game, I think most people can go there and go like, okay, those two guys are probably the division one athletes, right? Um, and then you can look at a transcript and be like, okay, that kid can probably do the work at Richmond. The thing that you're trying to figure out, and I don't, I, I have definitely not solved the equation on this, is like, how are they going to deal with the higher degree of failure, not just on a baseball field, but in the classroom and being challenged about maybe some of their belief systems and things like that by some super smart kid that they're in, you know, that they're living next to on, uh, in the dorm and, and all of those things I look at as being like really good at the end of the day, but like there, there needs to be a level of like, okay, a level of grit, I guess, if you will, to, to come to like work themselves through that. What is um, the platforms? You know, we, we hear about show ball, we hear about head first, you know, those can't be easy places to really recruit, um, you know, because everybody that's a high academic thinks that they're going to go there, they're going to be seen and, you know, and the numbers, the volume of those kids, um, when you look at the volume, majority of them are not players at the division one level, right? right? Overall. So, and the way they split it up. So what is, what is your avenue really to, to go ahead and, and identify, you know, the, the student athlete that, that meets all the requirements academically to get into Richmond, first of all, let alone get any type of assistance. Right. Um, and then to fit into the program that you're trying to build the athlete you're trying to build. Nobody, nobody takes a job in college baseball just to go through the season. Right. I mean, they got aspirations to go into regionals and move on and see, you know, and, and listen, one of the, you know, your alma mater, Davidson, uh, what they cook, they proved that they could, you know, it can happen. Um, but you, you know, you have to find that right, that right fit. So is it, is it going to those, those high end showcases? Is it uh, networking through people like advocacy, the things that we, that we do? Um, and just in general network of people who you met over the years that'll call you up and go, listen, this is a good high academic kid could probably get in. And then the budget allowing you to run out there and go see these guys. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of all of the above, 
right? You know, um, if, if you or, or, or Todd were to call me and say, hey, we, we got a dude down here at whatever, you know, it's like East by Northwest Mecklenburg County High School, right? Um, it's, uh, yeah, you, you, you probably go like, all right, well, they've got enough credibility for me to go and see them. Uh, you see some kids at, a, like you said, a head first or a show ball or one of the, whatever it is, the perfect game national or the junior national or whatever those types of things are. And I think that you try to go see them. Ideally, you get to see them multiple times rather than just once. I think that sometimes when you are at a place whose recruiting network can be more national than regional, sometimes you're having to make a call off of like one time seeing them, right? And, and so your miss rate can be a little bit higher on something like that, where one of the nice things when I was at BC was we did recruit a lot of kids in the Northeast and we recruited a lot of kids in particular in Massachusetts. And so there were times where there was a lot of times my, my son was at that time when I was back there was like two years old and I would go and I would watch Natick high against Framingham in a game on my way home from practice and you know I'd have Kai in the stroller out, you know and I'm like playing Mr. you know Mr. Dad or Mr. Mom or whatever it was and watching the ball game at the same time but I got a chance to see a lot of those guys like multiple times um, and I think that that part's really important because it's like I I think positionally especially I think it's really hard to go to a showcase like Showball and see a kid have three at bats yeah and maybe one of them is against the dude who's like 84 to 87 and the next one's against the dude who's 74 to 77 and then maybe another guy who's like 68 to 72 and go like oh yeah you know what that's worth right a 50 percent scholarship which is basically two hundred thousand dollars if i amortize that over four years right I and mean, that's a so i i think that those things you try to use maybe as something that's an identification type of a tool Maybe see him there and then see him, you know, at, at, a, at a tournament, maybe later on, maybe he comes to your camp and you can see him a little bit more in the cages. You can see him in a different game against some, hopefully some better arms at one of your, one of your own camps, but you're, you're trying to, I think you, for me, I think you can, you're, you're really trying to use those things as identification tools and not the final, like not the final exam, if you will. Right. Well, we talked about, this Mick in the past is is the importance of seeing the player up close, right? Whether it's at your, you know, we, we've always discussed you like seeing them on campus, you like seeing them at the camps, but you know, you're not. I mean, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but you're probably not going to take just a referral from someone and say, "Yeah, we're going to offer this kid or video." You, you you like seeing that tangible product on the field? Yeah, for me, I do. I I think that I think one of the things. And, and it proved, I, I mean, I would, I think that if you were to ask any coach, Hey, what was your, what was your swing and miss rate during COVID? I, I think they would be like, Oh God, a ton. Right. Well, your mom and, was front tossing you. you know, yeah. Right. And um, I think it was gigantic. It was a huge swing and miss rate. And, and so you, you're trying not to do that. It doesn't help anybody. Right. It doesn't help the kid. It doesn't help your program. It doesn't help anybody involved in that when the swing and miss rate is high. And this is, there's no science to this, right? Over the history of the draft, first round picks 
have only gotten to the big leagues at the level of like 60 to 65%. And I'm talking like one day in the big leagues, not becoming superstars, right? And so there's a huge miss rate in this thing. And I think that I would much rather see the kid in person. You absolutely use video to be like, okay, that's a dude that maybe we should go and see. I think you absolutely use metrics that can be shared now, whether it's uh, whether it's Blast or TrackMan or Rapsoda or Yakker Tech or name the tech that's out there and be like, okay, well that, you know, he's got an exit velo on the hit tracks of 99. And that's pretty good, right? That's a solid, uh, and his bat speed is like 71 miles an hour. That's pretty good. But, you know, I mean, if that's against a stinking machine, that's a fastball every single time. Um, you know, how's he going to adjust to it? How's he going to do this? How's he going to do that? Um, I think that's important. I, I, I put a lot of, you know, as much as you can, you want to try to sort of dive into the, the makeup and the character of the kid and, and what are they like. And um, so you want the opportunity to be able to interact with the kid and, and, and maybe with the, with the parents as well. And I think that's important. I think that's one of the things, that's one of the separators with, a lot of college camps and I, I would, you know, I, I say it to groups that I speak to here and there is, you know, for some reason or another, your kid has it boiled down to like seven schools, right? Go to seven camps, right? And, and go there and get in front of those coaches and, and see what the deal is. Now, if your goal is to create this gigantic net of colleges that might recruit you, then yeah, then head first and show ball, then all those things make much more sense because you're not going to, you're not going to have 70 college recruiters there sitting and watching you at any sort of a college camp. Right. But I, I think, I think a lot of the decisions that families can make about the recruiting process can be informed by having a really candid conversation at the very beginning of the process to be like, okay, what is it that we want out of the, the college or university that we attend, right? Is it, is there a particular field of study? Is there a size? Is there a geographic limitation? Is there a setting that we want to be, you know, I mean, it could be as stupid as, yeah, you, I, I really don't want a school that is, you know, named after, uh, you know, an eight legged, you know, the insect, right? I mean, it, it, I mean, it could be whatever, right? Um, and, and so I think it's, um, I, I think those things can really do a good job of, of informing the rest of the process because, right. you know, if you're just there to be like, Oh yeah, I just want to be recruited, dude. And there, there's like 4,000 colleges in the United States. Yeah. Right. I mean, that, and we're just talking about four year schools. And so it's like, you got to have some sort of a filtering process. I think if a, if a, if a family came to us and said, we don't want to go to a school with an, uh, logo of eight legged. I think we'd say, yeah, probably not. <laughs> yeah. So um, the, the camps, you know, the, it, again, it, everything is monetized, right? Everybody's yeah. trying to make money doing something along the way. More, more on our end, obviously, than than their end. I mean, they they're trying to get the best players, but um, if you go into all these camps, all these PBRs and all these PG things like that, I'm, you know, yeah, am I throwing out names? Absolutely. And there's nobody around. Right. There's no coaches there. There's nothing going on there. And you're just getting metrics. You can go anywhere to get the metrics. Right. You can get anybody. But, you know, just to get a rank, 
right? Just get a ranking or just to say, hey, you know, like, you know, the, 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 the social media posts and the likes and things like that, that's not helping the situation, right? I think going to camps and get in front of these guys, but also vetting yourself for that situation, like Mick is saying, okay, this is, is this really where I want to go to school if I can get in here? Okay. And, and the other part is the realistic look at yourself and say, you know, am I that guy? So a perfect example, Mick, I'll tell you about this. And, and we should, we showed this kid up to, uh, up to Richmond when, when Tracy was there and, and, uh, and Mo was, and it was there and a uh, kid by the name of Mitchell Salvino. And he's, and he's now going to be playing, he's playing at wake. He's got two years, grad years left. And, uh, but he wasn't physical, right? He wasn't a physical player. He was six one. He was 150 pounds, 155 pounds. And I took him up to Davidson. He Davidson was on his list. And I took him up to Davidson. And I said, and we watched him practice. Didn't say a word from him. At the end of the day, I said, do you look like any of these guys? And he said, no, I don't. So, he, you know, they, they, he was realistic in the sense that, you know, this is where I want to play. But right now, this is not where I can play. So he goes to Washington and Lee. Gets his degree, only gets two years extra because of the COVID and all the free years and stuff like that. And then we shopped around to Boston and to Davidson and some of these other schools, and and Tom took them. So, but you know, he he vetted himself early. You know, it wasn't like a discouragement, like oh my god, I can't play here. You know, whatever. You go where you're going to play, and you get in these situations like college camps, right? That's the place to go. So even if he, if you're young. How how young is what's the youngest camps that you guys run as far as a prospect camp? Are you looking at sophomores and juniors? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, they're changing. Kids can come as as when they're freshmen, right? Right. When, um, and and get on the board, actually, right? Get, yeah, I think we actually even had uh, a couple of eighth graders at the last camp that we ran a couple of years yeah. ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, rather. And um, you know, I mean, it's not like we're not going to start recruiting an eighth grader, right? right? And and some of the NCAA rules have passed to try to slow down some of that. Yeah. some of that really truly like super early recruiting piece but it's um yeah I, I, like i said i i think college camps are, are really good and mm -hmm. i think that there's you know notion which i i would guess is probably trying to be spread by like the travel ball people that there are that they're just money centers right that they're yeah. just revenue producers and and there's like like look I, there's no question that they are like they're a revenue creation for your mm -hmm. coaching staff and um and all of that but you know the fact of the matter is is that we'd be absolute morons not to recruit out of our camp you know when i when mm -hmm. i think of the moorhead state team last year and, and look our moorhead state camps were more small and um you know really really inexpensive to try to get kids to come down there and, and come but you know i think of it and you know we had a right fielder who was there our center fielder who was the player of the year in the conference came to a camp and that's how we saw him um we had like two or three pitchers on the team that were there a backup catcher that was on the thing i mean and then when i i can say the same thing with richmond there's a there's a lot of kids on our team who are who attended our camps and you know at some level or another right i i just think that it's yes like i said it, it, it's absolutely there's a revenue piece involved in it but like if a kid is going to come to our camp I'm making the assumption that at some level or another, he has an interest in Richmond, right? right. Uh, otherwise, like, what, what do you, like, that's kind of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs that you're at right. our place. If you have absolutely no, why would you be here? Now, we do have other coaches who come and, and work our camps, Division Three, Division Two, 
uh, NAIA, you know, even JUCOs that come and work our camps. So you have the opportunity to be seen by some other places. But, um, you know, if I'm a parent and I'm not, I'm going to be like, all right, yeah, I'm going to write a check to the University of Richmond, even though my kid will never in a hundred years go there. Right. I mean, go spend your whatever, however much money that is and go to the places that you do have an interest in. Um, and so I, I just think that it's, that is, uh, to me, is like such an underrated, really good way to at least even and, and even get some feedback right from a college coach because i think that if you if you come to one of our camps i think at least the way that i look at it i i think if you send us an email to say hey where do you think we fit in you know what do you do you think that richmond is is the right playing fit or do you think that you know i, I could play at a division two or division three I, I feel like it's kind of our responsibility to share what our opinion is with you about where you, you fit into the college baseball landscape because i think that for family the most difficult piece right is to is to sort of figure out where they fit into the grand scheme of college baseball right because within and, and, you know and, within division one you've got stratification within division two you've sure. got it too and, uh, and so forth you know and uh, uh, to the unfortunate part is not everybody does that no i was just i was just thinking that. they're just yeah. they, they'll, they'll pacify somebody going out of there and they're afraid to give them a bad a bad report and i wish all i wish all these PBRs and PG stuff would do that as well. Instead of instead of rating players, okay, he's rated number one, number two. They should rank in a, in, a, in a group, right, and say, okay, this is a class A of shortstops. Carry all these tools, do X, Y, and Z, and not go. He's one, he's two, whatever, and then classify them like that. And but they won't do that because subscription based. Right. How many times are you going to come back? How many more times are you going to be involved? You know, and then how many times can you go before you get ranked? Right. And everybody wants to get ranked. And it, it makes it doesn't do the game any good to do that. Right. Right. It, it, it just doesn't. So, you know, you that's it, a realistic, realistic thing is like shortstops may have all these tools. And this one guy may be a little bit better at something in this, you know, you know, than the other one. But he's still a grade A right. sure. shortstop. He's a division one shortstop. He checks all the boxes and not go. OK. And, and walk it right on down. And it's so hard, Nick, for us to. to to explain to a family that you know what, it, it, and especially the parents, you, you you think you're that good, okay? We've been doing this our whole lives. We've seen everything from top to bottom. That you're good enough to play at the next level. Seven percent of high school kids go play in college baseball. Seven percent, two percent go to play Division One. Okay, you're not in the two percent, but you're in the seven percent. Go play the game and enjoy it because it's. For the majority of people now with less rounds in the draft and everything like that, the odds of getting into pro ball are – it's really I slim. Mean, it's difficult. Right. And it's probably coming out of a power five. Or if Mick has a, you know, a freak athlete, but, you know, certain situations, certain certain schools are not going to have 10, 12 draft picks. Mm -hmm. right. You know, you can have one here and there. Well, and that's yeah, where the concentration I, is going to be. And, Shafe, I, I think you alluded to it earlier, right? You, you said – in passing you are kind of like you well you should go where you're going to go play you know right. and i think that there's this notion that it's like you know out there that hey it's division one or bust and i think that's like crazy you know it's a, i think it's just absolutely nuts because i think that kids can have an unbelievably good experience at a division three uh they could have that at a division two they could have it in right. an ai place you know anywhere um, they could have it anywhere and you know, you were just alluding to it. And, and now, it, and, and this isn't like, this isn't why you should make that decision. I, I really don't think that, but you know, you could, 
we have two kids on the team um, who've graduated from Division three programs. They're going to start for us this year. They had a great experience at their undergraduate. They're getting, they're, you know, they've got, like you said, because of the two years, the kid who's going to, to Wake and playing for Coach Walter. Um, you know, they've got two years left of eligibility because of the COVID piece. They're going to get a graduate degree from the University of Richmond, and they're going to play at, at the Division One level for the next two years, right? Um, that's that, that's that's pretty cool. And even if it had just ended at the end of four years, like the opportunity to 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 be there and to be playing and and, and all of those, I mean, and I, I just think you go where somebody is telling you that you're wanted, right? You go using you go, whatever resources that they right? have. You're going where you're handicapped, so it's in golf, right? So if I'm going to yeah. go play in a tournament, like if, if I play against Andrew head to head, I get my I get wiped out every time, right? I get I get crushed, but I can I can take my handicap and go play against other guys in my handicap and enjoy the heck out of it, and compete, and that's the same scenario right. with the athlete in, at the college level. And, and to your point, making I'll let I'll let Todd jump on this is that you're chasing a national championship, a legit championship. It's not some yeah. PG championship or some you know U Triple S A championship where they're going on every weekend. This is like you're in the top 7% in the, in, in the world playing in college baseball and you're chasing a championship at that level and the network, right. And the things that go on during the game, after the game in the off season, and then beyond the time that you're playing with these guys, it's, 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 it's invaluable. It's right. invaluable. So if, if you can't, if you can't swallow the fact that you're not a division one athlete, then you really don't love the game. Right. Then it's all about you. I mean, it's just, I say this with, with every family that we come across, Shafe, I think the first thing we say to them is you want to go where you're wanted most. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you know, the goal is you go to a four-year school out of high school, you're going to stay there four years. Now, I understand with the transfer portal, it's it's thrown a, a massive wrench in there. But, you know, if you're a, you go to a four, you want to be there for four years. And if you're trying to chase something that you're not, that's a big problem. And then you're going to enter that mm -hmm. portal. You know, if you go to a JUCO, you're going to be there two years and then your next step, you know? So, I mean, you know, it's one, you know, Mick, you said it, you got to go where you're wanted. It's not, it's not about the uniform. It's about being in a lineup. Right. Right. So it's what it is. It's, 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 it's one through nine. Yeah. Are you in that so lineup? I don't care where it's at. One of the, uh, one of the best things I think I heard, I heard early on, I, I used to go out to the Stanford baseball camp and, and work that camp. And Dean Stotts, who is a longtime assistant there, Dean would explain it to the whole group. And, and just basically he, he termed, he put it in levels of like, how much risk are you willing to take with your baseball career? Right. Um, and if it's like if Vanderbilt isn't calling you and the university of Richmond is right, but you still want to go to Vanderbilt, but you go in there with your eyes wide open that that the risk is that you might not make that team, then by all means go to Vanderbilt. But if Vander, but if Richmond is recruiting you, and they're willing to do it, and you and you want to lessen the risk that baseball is not going to be a part of it, well then you should go to Richmond, right? And um, I, I think it, I think a lot of it does, you know. And, and if like you said, Shafe, if, if baseball is something that you really, really, truly love, then you know, make the decision and, and uh, on the schools that, you know, are that best fit what you want, that are also using whatever resources that they have, if it's a scholarship at the division one level or entry into a school that you might not necessarily get into at the division three level or whatever it is and, and go, 
go there and go play and, and lessen the risk that you might not have baseball as part of your college experience. Hundred percent, and 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 obviously, you know, for players in high school that go to these showcases, go to college camps, you know, hire uh, a service like what Shafe and I have. They, they want to play obviously college baseball, so mm-hmm. taking advice is extremely important. Uh, Mick, uh, bef- yeah, we'll kind of step out of uh, recruiting, but I wanted to talk about development. You know, in college, you know, w- w- player development. Um, there's programs that do it really well. There's some programs that don't do it at all. What's your thought? And I know, you know, obviously we talk, you know, you, you use technology like blast motion. I believe, you know, track, man, you, you have this stuff for your, your athletes. What is, what's your, your focus on development um, when a player gets there? Um, well, I think first, I think technology is great in a lot of ways because right. I, you get like, if you were to be just dropped into the woods, right from a helicopter you get lowered into the woods and they say hey i want you to get to point b you have no context if you don't know exactly where you are right now right you need to know where you are on the map in order to be able to get to point b right and and so i think that technology can tell you where you are right now right so you know if you just take hitting and you take blast right here here's your right and the kid comes in and he's at 62 miles per hour on his average bat speed and he's got an attack angle of like you know 20 percent or, or, or 20 degrees right it, it, and you're just like well dude right number one your bat speed is 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 really kind of on the lower end of the division one scale number two is that even when you square it up like your best bolt is going to fly like you know, like 230 feet and get caught by the center fielder every time, right? So we need to kind of flatten that out and we need to increase some bat speed and we need to do that. Well, he needs to know that, right? And now here it is. It's not just an opinion. It's not just me, you know, telling you that this is what it is. And and you put some objective data in front of them and say, this is what it is, right? Um, Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get to point B. Doesn't mean that you can't get to you know, 70 miles per hour on your, on your average, you know, bat speed. And, you know, now we get you into maybe about 10 degrees on your attack angle. And now all of a sudden those 230 footers are 290 footers and they're 320. And now you're putting balls into the gap and you're doing some different things. And so I think that you use it for that. Um, but I think for, for my process is you try to evaluate kids in the fall you give them a roadmap of what it is that they need to, to get to. And it could be stuff from nutrition. It could be stuff about weight room stuff. It could be swing plane. It could be that we need to develop a better, you know, slider that has a little bit more depth to it. Right. It's kind of just an East and West. So it doesn't really truly get off the barrel. Um, and it could be any of those things. And then you provide an environment and you provide whatever tools at our disposal and you provide, you know, time, to help those kids get to where it is that they want to get to. And, and for me too, I think it's really important to, to include the player in that process, right? You're not just dictating this to them. Um, you know, my feeling has been over the years that players kind of know where their shortcomings are, right? They might not necessarily want to admit it to you right away, but once you kind of, once you develop a relationship with them, most of the kids that I've been with, I'd say 90% of them are are pretty good at self-evaluating. There's the 10% who just like, they're like just and i don't know that there's any helping them to be honest with you right because they just they're, they're not 
they they're just such bad self-evaluators those guys like annoy the hell out of me too so anyway. <laughs> um. <laughs> awesome great Yep. Listen, and so the, the technology, there is overload to it. Obviously, you guys like glass. We like glass here. I think it's uh, for somebody that can't even turn on the computer. That's enough for me. Right. Three right. measurements. Good. Um, but what, what, are, what are the key metrics that you look at? Um, if somebody calls and says, you know, like old school would be, hey, Mick, I got this dude that can play my eyes. See it. You know, he, he, he knows how to run the bases. He's in the right place all the time. But what are the metrics like we would have to call you with and say, okay, is it exit velo? Is it first to third speed? Is it a 60? You know, what, what are the keys? I mean, I, I think you need a little bit of all of it, right? But I mean, you know, if Todd were to just call me and say like, okay, hey, you know, his bass blast metrics are this and that, and it's kind of like, oh, okay. But, you know, but my question might be, well, can, but can he actually hit, you know? Um, and I think, if you're just looking at a stat line, like a high school stat line or something like that, I tend to not necessarily look at batting average, but I do tend to look at uh, strikeouts and walks, right? Because those things, generally speaking, like, you know, like a hit, a generous scorer on game changer can turn every error into a hit, right? Um, but I think that strikeouts and, and walks are, are pretty, like, you can't really fudge those all that much, right? And I also look at like as a hitter is extra base hits. What do their extra base hits look like? You know, are, are they getting some extra base hits? Um, I think at the high school level, there's no way, like there's no way that a kid should be, you know, striking out more than they're walking and then expect to have success at, at, at the collegiate level that I just don't see how that's going, how that's going to translate. Um, and I think as a, as a pitcher, it's like sort of you, like you flip it all back around, right? That there shouldn't be like a huge slug against percentage right they shouldn't be giving up a whole lot of extra base hits they should be striking out probably at least a guy in inning at the, in order to have some sort of success with this and they should probably be walking less than you know they should probably be walking frankly like less than you know like a guy per five innings that they've pitched you know i i just i don't know how you're going to have success if you're spraying it in high school and then you have hitters that are more discerning um to do that with the hitters, with the pitchers, it's a little easier because you see, you know, spin rates and velocity and different things like that. But I always like at the end of the day, too, I think you need to, see, you know, dude can have an awesome velocity, awesome spin rate. and He might not be able to pitch, you know, and um, and, and, you know, there's there's guys that I've seen that are that way. Right. You know, they, they throw 98, they throw 100, but they don't seem to get anybody up. And that's not a great recipe. And so. I think you need to see sort of the whole context and then ultimately like I keep going back to it. I'd like to see them, you know, but given decent metrics, it's about getting me into the car, right? That's Not right. just me, but right. somebody right. so that I can go and see them. Right. Uh, but use the video, mm -hmm. use the metrics to be like, you know, coach Jackson or, you know, at Liberty or, or get coach McMullen at UVA to like get in the car and, and, and come and spend, you know, a couple of hours to come and see you play. And, you know, that's the thing with like the, the WWBA stuff in Atlanta, right? Oh, you know, there's this mindset, I think with families that, oh, I'll just go there. I'm definitely going to get recruited. Yep, yep. Right. And, and it's kind of like, good. well, not so much, right. There's like 325 teams in this deal. And most of us are sending, uh, you know, maybe, maybe three of us are there for maybe two or three days, but then it kind of whittles back down to maybe two of us. And, 
there's only times there's only so many time slots and sometimes we have to drive from like jacksonville florida to like nashville tennessee to be able to see one you know the next game right because you have to travel 500 miles within the state of georgia to be able to see the next game um and so it's about like getting me to come and see you Uh, i think that's what i think that's what videos i think that's what referrals i think that's what metrics should do so that ultimately i can come and see you play so priority is go to the camp yes that's go to go to the camp get in front of them from there because if you do like what you see then it's an easier follow for you than 100 yeah. percent. yeah so awesome yeah well mick uh really appreciate it thanks for coming yeah, on man. this was this was awesome uh you know you know, your perspective on everything is, it was great. Touched on a lot of points that we're trying to get across. So really appreciate it. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'll be seeing you in two weeks. I'll be up to uh, Richmond. So looking forward to that, seeing spiders in action. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, legged animals. <laughs> insects. <laughs> insects. I don't yeah. think that te- technically I think spiders aren't insects. So I probably misspoke there. You know, you know, you know I, had to, I had to take it. Maryland was entomology. Believe that, right? No. And I took into I took the I took the test, and I took the day that we had the walk. Right, right. I didn't even know if I graduated because I didn't know any. I was just like, yeah, that's a bug, that's a bug, that's an insect, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I passed. <laughs> I got through it. You could you could have used your you could have you know. used your entomology skills to become like a world class fly fisher. You know what I mean? So that you, I, know, you know what, what? I really should have done. That. I've been more successful than I was uh, <laughs> off the field, but yeah. Awesome. But Mick, thank yeah, you so Mick, much, man. A really appreciated the time, and uh, you know, good stuff. Not bad for a Red Sox guy. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah. All right, man. Awesome. <laughs> All Thanks, right. Mick. Thanks. Thanks. See you guys. All right. Yeah. Good stuff again. Yes. Again. Again. The, again. The college coach thing is working out pretty well. This is pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean. Oh, listen. The information keeps being yeah. consistent, right? It's right. Cons- it's consistent. You got to go to these camps. I mean, it, you can go to all these showcases and stuff if you want and build all that up. And it's just, it's not. Yeah. Listen, we know, we know there's some camps out there that are, you know, I hate using the word legit, not legit. Right. But I mean, I know for a fact, Mick, one of the first things we say when right. I first recommended a kid to him when he was at yeah. Moorhead. And he's like, I need to see him. I need yeah. to see him. On, you know, and it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. You know, not just the mannerisms right you know how he how he interacts with other players you know i mean those are the things that really matter beyond all the other you know the ability yeah um, aspects there needs to be an inversion it needs to be a bus that picks up all the kids that right can play there and go to that school yeah you know and i get it listen this kid's went to clemson camp because he just wanted to wear the clemson jersey and get on the field because they they may never never do it but you know these and hearing it it's almost like us talking like parents talking to our kids right right? they're not really going to listen to us but you start to hear uh you know a coach of his status and baggage and all the guys that we've have on here and say you know listen man division one isn't for everybody you're not you know know. you don't have you you, you're not that you know and uh and again some guys just want to you know and nobody's ever happy just putting uniform on and shagging for four years no not right I mean, and realistically, you know, I mean, things are a lot different. I, I can speak for myself. I mean, I've yeah. out of high school, 1998, I'm probably not a Division One player. Yeah. You know, I'm, I was undersized. You know, I didn't do, do everything exceptionally well. My metrics probably weren't great, you know, but I got there and I had to prove myself, you know. So it's it's tougher now because yeah. the metrics, the the numbers, the, the data speaks so loudly because of all these different. Right. So you're a New Jersey kid going, hey, I'm going to go to Rock Hill, South Carolina. Right. Right. 
It's a yeah. Division One program, and I'm going to go give it a go in Rock Hill, South Carolina, yeah. a school that nobody ever heard of, right. Winthrop, right? No. Yeah. And, you know, so – but you did it. You went, right. and you proved yourself, and you had a good career, and you got friends for life and, and, exactly. and a lot of things from there. So yep. it's – you know, there, there's more beyond just playing this game, and it's really hard to explain that to a kid, right? Because in a way, they, they almost feel impressed. Well, you're not going to Clemson. You're not going right. to, you know – Upstate, you know, you know, going there. No, I'm going to go play the Division Two baseball. Oh, good. Yeah, you know, it's like it's you know, like the fear of missing out. It's like you're it, not missing out on anything. Like you get, you go to, you go to a high level Division Two, Division Three program. You're gonna have a great experience. You're gonna play good baseball. You know, I mean, go watch Marietta play. Go watch this. Go watch this D this D three showcase that we're putting on at Kannapolis and Greensboro. Yep. And see Dennis and see Lynchburg that won the national oh. championship. Right. Uh, I mean, it's 100%. and it's, uh, yeah. you know. A D2, Wingate, yeah. down the road, national championship. Belmont Abbey, national championship. Um, North Greenville, I'm going to tell national you, I'm gonna, championship. I'm, I will go out, out on a limb to say that University of Tampa can probably beat half of yeah. Division One schools, Not even, and I don't even think it would be close. Yeah. Like, Guys get drafted out of that place, man. Yes, if you can play, yes. if you can play, you know, it, it, it's yeah. – it, oh yeah, it, it's gonna happen. Yeah. But you know, him talking about the you know the the, the perfect game stuff and going down it. Right. Like, I, listen, you don't go to perfect game because you think you're gonna just be found. You're not gonna just be found. Somebody had already had to tell these guys. They have a list of guys they got to go see. Correct. He just said it. I got to right. drive from Jacksonville to somewhere in Tennessee. It's because kids on a list, not because they're gonna go flip a rock and find mm-hmm. a player, right? It happens, so, but it not yeah. not to, not not the percentage no. that you think is going to no, no, happen. No, no, very small percentage. Very right, small percentage because right. they're not out there looking to flip rocks. Right. They're out there to see whatever. Now, if something around that that they're looking at steps up, mm-hmm. you know, right. then the, then there's a chance you go down there to play in the tournament, correct? To enjoy the experience and to compete against the better athletes out there, and you know, and try to get to the, you know, the the 32, and then to the 16, and you know. Right. Go from there because once you get to that point, then it's just it's men you're playing against. It's right. a different, no, different and that's, story. And that's listen, you know, again, we can we can spout out of the value of having someone like us that can tell a coach, hey, you should be going to see this player, right? I mean, because that's the idea is that he and Mick said he needs the referrals or help helps him get through the door. Right. And right. the flip side is in the car door. It's the value of what we do to tell the families this is where you need to go because this we've seen this. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen this over and over and over again. So when somebody tells us we don't, That's okay, right. then you know, you, you gotta you gotta understand that yep. you know, there's a certain creature that goes into the division one oh, programs. Yeah. There's a certain creature that goes into D two. And there's a lot of D one guys that are in D two. Yep. Because of the portal, because of other things, you see how many how many Division One players transferred into D two? Oh, tremendous! A ton, yeah, a ton, yeah. a ton. All right, so um, uh, Mike Gardner's son, yeah, Eric, Eric yeah, Gardner. Right. Um, Mike was a teammate of mine in Seattle. It's been a big influence here in in Charlotte local baseball for for quite a while. Played for the Knights. Um, Eric was diagnosed with. It's, it's almost it's unknown, a, right? It's kind of an yeah. unknown, but it's a cancer. Yeah. Um, he's and I, Mike texted me back. I texted him this morning just to see how Eric was feeling and um, you know how Mike was holding up and his family. And uh, he said, you know, "Spirits are pretty good with Eric, but he's in a lot of pain." Um, there is a GoFundMe page. You can yeah. find it on my website. Or Shape for Baseball Report. Shape for Baseball Report. On it's on there. You know, it, obviously, um, Eric doesn't come from great means or anything like that, so. Medical bill is going to get racked up, but you know, I mean, cancer sucks. You know, Marie Rasmussen is a good friend of ours. Is 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 going through some things too. She's doing better. Brandy Lauder. Mm-hmm. Um, these people have been public with their, you know, I'm not 
throw anything out there, but it, it's touched all of us one yeah. way or another. So, oh, for sure. you know, this yeah. is our baseball community. This is a family that we've known for a long time. So if you get a chance, go check it out. Give it, give it a dollar or mm-hmm. whatever, or $25 or whatever. Just, you know, just help out um, if you can. And, uh, and you may be helping out somebody else. So that's yeah. just as good as well. It's just, you know, reach out, man. It's uh, we're not here to take any of that stuff with us. We're here to kind of do what we're supposed to be doing um, along the way. No doubt. Um, people that have been behind us, Architect Sports, yep. Alan Tyson, that group, unbelievable. Um, Blast Motion. Blast Motion. Blast and, been good. And also, we're going to have a new sponsor, Strathmore oh. Capital Advisors. Very cool. So if you John people... Char- yep. John Charles Cornodal, yeah. uh, good Charlotte family, good good company. If you any wealth management needs, look them up. And Strathmore Capital Advisors, uh, they're right here in Charlotte. Um, you know, family-owned business. Uh, no, we know them well. We we help Jake yeah. Cornodal, who's now... You know, at Princeton, playing yeah. at Princeton, uh, so their son. So uh, they're great people. I will say this: if you're going to jump on, so you, you need to start planning for college. Yes. Do not yes. negate that part. If you don't want anything for your retirement, whatever, set your <laughs> kids up and get something. Get something structured. Yeah. Um, you know what? There, um, Ali Faber, the yep. stress lady. If you listen, this girl, this, she's a guru. She's a mobility guru. Um, she's here in Charlotte. Check it out. The stretch lady. Uh, you know, it's it's just been she's been amazing you know it's i mean between doctors between architect sports and stretch lady we, we, we dumped out some coin man <laughs> you guys should be putting my kids through college not me that's right but, uh yep and then i'm heading down to wilmington tomorrow awesome. and then fan fest coming on and then uh then we have opening day in two weeks for division one baseball princeton did they play in princeton no they're playing kent but princeton's coming okay. right after right. that yeah right. so yeah so we uh, we're ready to get dinner plans oh excellent yeah excellent. going down i'm trying to find hey if anybody has a beach house um, Wrightsville Beach that wants to rent for three months, really cheap. <laughs> you know, take care of the guy. All right. Um, awesome. I'm looking to get something to be down there that, you know, just to be able to run down there as much as possible. So you're yeah. going to run, right? Not drive? Well, I'll drive slow. Okay. Um, Very yeah, slow. Yeah. So, but I want to thank everybody listening yeah. to Schaefer Baseball Report again. We'll, uh, we'll tee up another, uh, another guest here soon. Yes. Um, surprise guest coming here pretty soon. Nice. Conversation. And uh, we appreciate it. Peace out. Thanks, guys.